0: The Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now onto to the show. Patrick has been feeling good on the bike. Really good. You know, if somebody
1: had told me that they'd slipped me a low dose of ecstasy... I
0: wouldn't have had any reason to disbelieve them. But there's a moral dilemma behind his PRs. For Fatty, it was an experience off the bike that has him asking what his next
2: move should be. I've seen him before. He's on a mountain bike, cruises by. 30 seconds to a minute later, his two dogs come running after him. And one of his dogs bit off a big chunk of my dog's ear. Faceline, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick Hottie and Fatty bringing you the official podcast of Spring and RedKitePrayer.com. Find us there, by which I mean RKP, not Spring, and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Guys, we've made it to episode 110. Patrick, publisher of RKP, this time of year, are you wearing long sleeves, short sleeves, knee warmers, or what? What is your outfit of Uh... choice? for spring writing? Sure. Sure. <laughs>
1: it wasn't sure. a yes or
2: no question. It's <laughs> not an answer. <laughs> well, uh, can I go with D, all of the above? Were you playing Candy Crush instead of listening to my intro? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. Farm Tales or whatever that other one is. He's like, oh, uh, I'm
2: just surfing
1: the web. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Hang, hang on, I'm setting up a YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, here in Northern California... It's it's almost like you you can't not screw up on a ride. Um, I just the temperature swings are so varied. Uh, I've I've learned most days to go out with if it's cooler, i.e., below sixty degrees. If I go mm. out in thermal bibs, no knee warmers, uh, base layer, jersey, arm warmers, vest, something's coming off. It's you know it's like a frat party. Uh, something's, something's going to come off and I'm not sure which is going to come off first, but I, I know to dress adaptably. Every time Mm -hmm. I go out in a long sleeve Jersey, I get it wrong. (laughs)
2: Long sleeve jerseys do seem to be the least adaptable of, of the springtime writing clothes right because it's not something i mean sure you can put one over a short sleeve jersey but long sleeve jerseys they just don't roll up really nice and small so not i, I love i have some long sleeve jerseys i love for winter in spring Man, it's all about arm warmers and and layer and layers that you can peel and peel and replace but enough of that for right now at least hottie mm. rkp contributor and paceline honcho <laughs> today your honcho what do you think of that i've given you another title what are you riding in? It's Southern California is a little different than Northern Look, California.
0: I, I love the long sleeve jersey. I'm going to have to counter both of you. But here's, oh, here's my request to the clothing makers out there make the long sleeve jersey without the fleece liner. And then I can decide what needs to go underneath. Mm. Then you've got yeah. something that's a little more versatile, right? So it's cool out. I'm going to wear the long sleeve jersey and a short sleeve base. It's even colder out. I'm going to wear a long-sleeve base and the long-sleeve jersey. Me, See, I don't like arm warmers so much. In fact, warmers in general are kind of, eh, I'm okay with them. The bands around, the, you know, um, they, some of them fall down. Really? Some don't fit right. I love the long-sleeve jersey. Yeah, it's just one piece. You pull it on, it's great. So I Who wear them. Who are you? I wear them, but I do object to... Um, some of the, you know, they seem to be almost throwaway at times. It's like the clothing makers just go, well, we feel obligated to make a long sleeve jersey. So they do. We'll put fleece in it because it seems like the right thing to do. Okay. Nah, don't have to. Give me the one without the fleece. Put some nice tailoring in it. Uh, The tough bit for guys like Patrick and me is long gangly arms, but we need something small up top. So it gets a little rough at times, but I do like the long sleeve jerseys. And I'm gangly? Like, hmm, gangly.
1: I'm gangly? Sure. Okay. The you <laughs> know, I mean, the funny thing is, uh, like, what I want is I want a proper spring jersey like you see Vermark and some of the other makers make that almost doesn't exist. Like, by and large, people don't know about them. It's like thermal bibs. Well, there are thermal short sleeve jerseys. I want some of those. hmm yeah. So, I you know, Hottie, I you know, got to love you dude, but just no.
2: <laughs> yeah, give me that long sleeve jersey. <laughs> all right. All right. It's hey, there's a reason there are so many bike clothing manufacturers and that they are all making millions and millions of dollars, right? Yeah. <laughs> um I want to talk about something else for a second cuz we're all bike guys, right? I and think so. we I think bike guys, by and large, are also dog guys. And when I say guys, I mean that in the uh, every possible gender. By guys, I mean folks, right? Okay, end of that detour. But (coughs) bike people are dog people is generally the way that I see it. And
1: I've got a cat in my lap.
2: Yeah. some so I got I got a cat too. And I like my cat just fine. But you don't see people taking their cats out with them on bikes very often.
1: No, no.
2: I took my dog on a walk yesterday, right? And it was about, I don't know, we're just walking on a single track out at Lambert Park close to where I live. And a guy comes by. This is on a downhill segment. And I've seen him before. He's on a mountain bike, cruises by. 30 seconds to a minute later, his two dogs come running after him. And one of his dogs bit off a big chunk of my dog's ear. What? And I'm I'm not saying that he nipped it and broke the skin and made it bleed a little. He actually left a ragged piece of where my dog's ear used to be. And my dog Duke is the biggest 160 well, he's the he he's not the biggest English mastiff you ever saw. He's a, he's actually on the small side, but English mastiffs are known as gentle giants for a reason. They don't provoke, they don't attack. They're just really mellow, sweet dogs. And so I didn't even know that this dog had actually mangled my dog until a few seconds later, because this dog after it attacked my dog, it kept going. This guy didn't even know he had no idea he had no control of his dogs and the way I found out is because my dog is now bleeding profusely on the dirt and oh my gosh. so I spent the, I spent the night uh, you know up until I don't know 10 30 11 at the vet getting my dog trimmed and stitched and wrapped up. And my, so this morning I posted a question on uh, on Twitter. I, I used one of my famous polls, right, yeah. asking, um, you know, telling this story and saying, how should I be reacting? Because I was asking my wife after this, I was like, was this a dogs being dogs thing? Or sh- am I right to feel this angry about some guy being in so little control of his pets? And... I got about the expect the expected response on Twitter. Seventy-seven percent uh, chose the pure outrage response, at, with four uh, percent saying dogs will be dogs. Fourteen percent saying something else, meaning that they left a comment, and a lot of the people who left comments were saying that they uh, that they think I should call animal control, that I should call the police. I don't know what I would tell animal control or the police. Right? It was a black dog of medium size couldn't it was not a lab it was not a breed that I recognize I don't know this guy's name I don't you know I don't know what I would tell them so we're not really to my segment or maybe we are maybe today I'm going to substitute in my segment for this but what would you guys do what what do you do and what is the right reaction when something like this happens I'm, a, you know, I'm a bike guy. This guy's a bike guy. I'm a, I'm a dog guy. This guy's clearly a dog guy, but his dogs are out of control. They mm-hmm. attacked and mangled my dog.
0: Yeah, you gotta let you gotta let government know first of all. It's like the same as being if you were bitten by a dog. Like I was bitten by a dog on my bike once, and the medic said, "Make sure you go. You have to go tell." In fact, the doctor said, "If you don't tell the authorities, I have to. I'm obligated to." Because the authorities mm-hmm. need to know, you know about reports of, even if you can't identify or point them in the right direction, they need to know about dogs that are being dangerous so they can start compiling a record, any type of record. And if those dog or that guy's dog strikes again, then they've got something on him already and they can you know, go about uh, the legal matters to take that dog and remove it from, from the public. So
2: report at yeah. the
0: very least, Fed. You have to report it to whatever animal control people are in your in your city or county. There.
2: Yeah. So even though I, they 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 might have questions about, you know, what kind of a dog was it? I don't know who was who uh, who was it? I don't know. Was, was it the dog off leash? Well, yes, the dog was definitely off leash. It was at least a minute. Well, I don't know 30, 30 seconds to a minute behind its master. Um, you know, so I don't know how much help a report would be, but yeah, I think, I guess you're right. I need to say something. What do you think, Patrick? I mean, what, what's your response on this?
1: Well, I I agree. You got to report it. Uh, I get that, you know, it's like, well, what exactly am I reporting? I get the challenge there, but I agree. You got to report it. And to me, it's not so much that this will possibly result in some, some sort of resolution for you further down the road, but as just a matter of the social contract uh, to try to help others in the future so that they have some record of, Oh, this there's a dude on a mountain bike with two dogs that, you know, is not in sufficient control of them. Um, that's, that's a piece of information that needs to be out there. Um, yeah. And, uh, if I was feeling sufficient numbers of my oats, I might print out a copy of that bill and carry it in my back pocket the next time I'm on those trails. And if I saw him, I'd go, oh, hey, right, dude, this is for you.
2: Yeah. uh, Someone uh, posted a a reply on Twitter along those lines saying, hey, take a picture of that that receipt and keep it on your phone to show this guy, as well as photos of what your dog's ear looked like. And and that kind of gets to part two of my question, which is – there's a good chance that I'm going to run into this guy again Mm -hmm. right what what do I say to this guy I am I'm not a guy who gets in in people's faces I'm not normally someone who you know who is confrontational but this is like I mean who knows what this dog would have done to a two-year-old that got between him and his master I don't know and I feel like, you know, this is a, th- a time when I got to kind of step up and say, dude, your dog's dangerous. You can't have this dog off leash and you certainly can't be so far away that you don't know when it's attacked someone.
1: Well, I think that's when you get into the dangerous territory. Once you tell him what the acceptable course of action is for him with his dogs in the future, he's probably going to tune you out. Um, whereas you're completely yeah. safe to say, um, you're a mountain biker. So I kind of consider you my peeps and you have dogs. So I kind of consider you my peeps, but I need to let you know about something that happened. And all you have to do is report the facts. Here's what happened to my dog. Duke Duke is really chill. Duke did not instigate this. Uh, see that little shape on his ear. There used to be more tissue there. Um, that little shape right there cost me whatever, you know, 400, $1,100, whatever it was, um he needs to about have about 600. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah, 600. I mean, that's a weekend away from home. Uh maybe only for for you and the hammer, uh not all 14 in your entourage. I get that, but um he needs to hear about that. And yeah. you know, you don't uh you're a non-confrontational guy, so you don't have to be confrontational. You don't have to tell him you need to leave your dogs home in the future. But you need to say you know, people are going to be concerned about dealing with these dogs if they see that sort of behavior in the future.
2: Yeah, and that's a good way of putting it. It's, uh, I, in his shoes, if someone came to me and said, hey, your dog attacked my dog, um, inside I'd be mortified. But on the outside, I would probably get my hackles up and be like, you know, you don't get to tell me what to do. So, right. Yeah. Nobody ever Same. gets
1: defensive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing we've all learned from the internet yeah okay <clears throat> good talk guys um i'll let you, uh, this is a to be continued item for sure and i believe that i have just taken my poll i did an unannounced poll you know one of those things where at the beginning of a ride some guy will just go to the front and start polling, and everyone's like hey we're still warming up right that was me today right yeah <laughs> That's a total fatty move. All right, Hottie. <laughs> Thanks. You <laughs> I mean, I dropped. You gapped me. I, mean, I, dro- <laughs> I am going to start uh, soft pedaling for a bit. Let you come to the front, tuck into uh, your into your bro- behind your broad shoulders, and just let you pull for mm. a bit.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm going to sit at the back and let somebody else pull uh, uh, close the gap.
0: <laughs> well, over the weekend, guys, I-, I brought a knife to a gunfight. My partner. The man we call Major Bob and I had entered the Pioneer Town race, and we decided that gravel bikes were the weapons of choice. Get it? Knife, gunfight, weapons. Uh, well, when we arrived, so violent imagery podcast. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> when we arrived and saw all the mountain bikes, we started to get an uneasy feeling. But what the hell? We were more than 140 miles away from our respective garages, where each of us had other bikes stored, and like that other saying. Dance with the one you dance with the one that brought you. My dad does it much better. He used to say that all the time. Uh this ride was an out and back, just about fifty miles with five thousand feet of climbing. It wasn't the profile that made us doubt our bike choices. It was the terrain, rough and rocky Mm -hmm. and or sandy and slow. We had to pick our way up climbs, bounce down descents, and got bogged down in the beach. We got punished on our drop bar machines with no suspension so yeah we had the wrong bikes but the wrong bike is relative it's only the wrong bike if you have others to choose from i mean what if you only had one bike the industry and the press calls it a quiver killer which is kind of funny because really the rider who would best be served by the one do-all bike probably has no idea what a quiver is and why someone would have one. We're talking about a person who only has room or need for one bike in their lives, not two or three or ten like each of us. Those of us with quivers love them and have no desire to kill them. That said, Fatty and Patrick, if you had to get it down to one, what would it be? And here are some caveats. It can be a bike you already own, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a bike that exists, But it doesn't have to be. Feel free to design your own. Also, what would the build be? And one thing I will allow is more than one set of wheels. Another thing to remember is this bike has to hold up. If it breaks, you got no bike until it's fixed. So my paceline poll is the quiver killer, the one that gets it done. All of it done, Fatty.
2: Okay, I I feel like uh, my reply is going to be a terrible one Hmm. but i'm going to to go with it anyway just because empirically it is true out of all the bikes i have the one i've had the longest and the one that i have uh put the most miles on according to strava is my specialized stump jumper single speed hardtail with shimano xt brakes uh, currently, it has NV, uh M5050 wheels, but I'd probably change them out to 525s, which is not a big difference, and a an, uh, RockShox RS1 fork. Very clearly a straight-up mountain bike, and it would be a terrible hmm. go-anywhere bike. That is, it would be awful on the road. It is not a great bike for every occasion, but I have ridden it a lot and I have ridden it far. I have ridden it for 25 hours at a time, and this bike has never broken down mid-ride. That combination of frame plus wheels plus components is light, it is close to bomb-proof, and it's good for the kind of riding that I love and that I am Good at that is lightweight climbing, mountain biking on buff single track, and you know choppy, choppy blocky rock type stuff. This would mean I'd be only road riding when I have to, and it would eliminate a lot of the fun that I'm having right now with dual suspension and electronic shifting. But I would survive, and I would get in plenty of riding. Mm. That said. I would miss my felt FR1 disc. So huh, I'm glad that I don't have to make that decision, but I'm pretty sure that if I had to go with one bike, it's a single speed. Wow. For the reliability
0: more than anything. Because if you geared it, you obviously could do more. You could probably, you know, gear it, put, sure. get a second set of wheels, some slicks. You could do some road rides, not fast ones, but you could do some good road rides.
2: Yeah, I mean, I could swap it. I could make it so that I could do a decent flat road ride, but uh, it's not uh, just because of reliability. It's because I really do like single speed. Um, I really enjoy uh, the uh, the feel of standing up and climbing. Um, I like the simplicity, the very direct feel of uh, of my uh, of you know, my single speed mountain bike.
0: Hmm. OK, let's turn to Patrick, the man who is uh, not only owned a lot of bikes, but uh, tested plenty as well. Any Anything you come across, Patrick, achieve um, that quiver killer status in your mind?
1: Well, the funny thing, it's not a funny thing. The interesting thing has uh, around here has been the fact that, you know, in the wake of the fires and so many cyclists having lost their homes and their quiver of bikes. Uh, A great many people I know have chosen to replace just one bike for now. Let me get one bike so I can ride, get back out there. And what they've done uh, to a great degree is they've bought uh, specialized diverges. Uh, Pro level, S-Works level, uh, if I understand correctly, NorCal Bikesport is the biggest retailer in terms of pushing S-Works diverges out the door. Um, And so, yeah, it's one bike that can do a whole lot. And if I was limited to a single bike, truly one bike, you know, to do everything I do, it would be uh, my 7 Earhart because I could still travel with it I can ride dirt. I can ride the road. It's one bike that'll do everything. If I'm not concerned with um, actually traveling with the bike, uh, I think it would probably be my allied Alpha Allroad. Also, uh, you know, a good bike for mixed surface riding. Um, You know, I'm disinclined to want to get by with one bike, but... um,
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's where I would go that's why the whole quiver killer I mean the only people that understand that saying are the folks like fatty me you Patrick and uh, yet this term gets thrown around and really I think that I think the quiver killer or the one bike is is great for the people who that's all they can afford or want or need is one bike my my choice um in fact I, I'm not far off with my fat chance crisscross it's pretty close to being a quiver killer. It's just a little short in that stability category, a tad too easy to to be thrown offline, and that's due to its cross leanings, hence the name crisscross. A finalist for me would have to be the open UP or the more advanced and lighter upper. I reviewed the UP for RKP and really liked it. It loves 700c's or 27.5 inch wheels and behaves a lot like an endurance road bike. But just to make sure my one bike has a better chance of surviving the rigors of off-road and maybe travel, I think, like you, Patrick, I would go titanium and go with a bike I took for a spin a couple years ago, and that would be the Mooch route. Now, at the time, Mm. Mooch only had the standard route, which had a max tire clearance of 35 and the route 45, a burly bike more suited for bike packing and slower-paced riding, since they have come along with what would be my one and only, and that is the Moots Route RSL. This rig has the company's lighter, butted tube set and uber cool 3D printed dropouts. Moots does offer custom geometry, and I would definitely get something sized just for me. Just for me, It is spec'd for a max tire size of 38, but I've seen others get 40s in the stays, and the fork has no issues with a 40 or bigger. Two sets of wheels, one probably the new Envy Gravel Edition or maybe custom Envy's we some Chris King hubs. I'm on some Chris Kings right now. Love those hubs. I'm a big fan of one buy and for reliability would probably stick with cable shifting and therefore kit my moots with the force hydro flat mount, but I'm open to di two for more versatility. We're talking about a $10,000 bike more with the extra wheels, but considering what I have hanging in the garage doing nothing on most days, I'd probably be cutting costs with what I've tied hmm. up having a quiver. So, so long, quiver, one bike. Yeah, a lot of money, but uh, you kill the quiver, and you kill a lot of expenses.
2: Yeah, I think you're making a great point with the the quiver killers are only understood by people who have no intention of killing their quiver. <laughs> it is the very definition <laughs> of an ethereal topic. I think that that is a good place for us to take a quick break. And when we come back, Paceline Picks and Patrick has got a very deep question about doping, right here on the baseline. This is our main minoring room here at Moots. This is where all of our raw tubing comes to us. Um, it's not just any raw tubing, it is uh, US made aerospace grade tubing.
1: Do you secretly like indexed shifting? Are you tired of gluing tubulars? Do clips and straps hurt your knees? Be honest, you'd really like to have a bike that weighs less than a bowling ball, wouldn't you? We know how you feel. We too were once afraid to show up to a ride in a polyester jersey, and we only rode clinchers on solo rides. Running into the back, of riders because we ran delta brakes got really old. So you know what we did? We went out, bought a 15 pound carbon fiber bike with electronic shifting, disc brakes, and clipless pedals. And you know what? Holy cow, it made cycling fun again. Set yourself free. Come to our support meetings where you'll hear our experience, strength, and hope in dealing with issues like decreased knee pain, Having people talk to you again and restoring functionality to the old Erector set. To find meetings, you can visit us at our website, retrogrouchesanonymous.org.
2: And the baseline is back. Hadi and I have taken our polls uh, with my little cheater poll. (laughs) (laughs) Now it is Patrick's turn.
1: Oh boy. Um, okay, guys, let's start with an admission. I'm really tired of talking about the intersection point of pro cycling and doping. And I vowed I'm not going to do that anymore. But I still am going to talk about doping today um, personal doping. I've been thinking about what constitutes performance enhancement. Um, I'm curious did either of you ever read Andrew Tillon's book, The Doper Next Door?
2: I did, oh. um, or I, I should say, I read most of it. Um, I I actually got, I guess, bugged enough by what he was doing that I I stopped in consternation.
1: Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an easy account to read. Uh, pretty brilliantly done uh certainly very well written uh we should add unfortunately that uh andrew is no longer with us he was hit by a car while changing a flat on a training ride uh in austin um so i mean i would i would actually interview him now if i could um you know so he went through all that he was racing uh in usa cycling and when he told them what he was up to usada was not amused um what's been on my mind is how people feel about per- performance enhancing substances where amateur racing is not at stake. See, the thing is a couple of weeks ago, as I mentioned, I got a shot of cortisone in my neck. Um, and I'm actually still a bit achy at the site of the injection. Um, my doctor, who's a really fine cyclist in his own right. Um, Yay, Dr. Todd Weizenberg. Um, He told me that I'd feel pretty fantastic afterward. And, you know, fantastic is one of those words that is a little open-ended initially, but though I did not feel amazing or fantastic or anything like that Um, until last Friday. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Earlier in the week, I'd gotten a trigger point massage And I did a yoga class and I've got this new traction pillow that I'll be talking about at some point when I have time. Uh, and then Friday I went out for a ride and I wanted to tackle two PRs, uh, on Strava segments that I was, um, a little obsessed with and I killed them both. Um, so Friday and Saturday, I can say I've had two of the better rides I've had in years. Um, I also on Friday descended a road that I have not previously been all that comfortable on descending, uh, for some years now. And I descended it like I'd never had a crash back in 2012. And beyond that, overall, my Mm -hmm. mood was a 12. Um, this would be on a 10 scale. Um, (laughs) and you know, if somebody had told me that they'd slipped me a low dose of ecstasy, I wouldn't have had any reason to disbelieve them. Um, oh, I, I should also mention, um, in less than two weeks, I dropped eight pounds. Uh, we know that cortisone can help with weight loss. We know that cortisone is supposed to make athletes feel really, really good. Um, But I've got like a half dozen different variables in here. There's the cortisone, there's the massage, there's the yoga, there's the traction pillow. I am a personal scientific method fail. Um, Hmm. That said, holy cow, I feel so good. Um, I really, really hate the idea that my fitness, mood, and weight could all owe that much to one single injection. I'd be so much happier if I knew that this was a combination of multiple factors, like the fact that I'm doing massage and yoga and have improved my diet and, um, you know, real authentic antidepressants. Um, if if I knew that all those put together were the source of this, I'd be a very happy dude because uh, I'd feel like I'd been making solid decisions in my life. Um, the flip side of this is if it turns out that a single injection can make me this happy and help me lose eight pounds. Um, even if it hasn't cured the pain in my neck, I want another injection in four months, no matter what the ethical implications are from that. This stuff, if it really is the cortisone, this stuff is amazing. Um, So my question for you guys is, should I really have a bigger ethical and moral dilemma surrounding this fatty if you could take a drug that helped stabilize your weight over the course of a year, making it less likely that you would actually be fatty, would you take it?
2: Um, answer is definitely a yes. Uh, I actually track uh, medical research along those kinds of things, you know, looking and hoping that there will be something that would do something like that. And in the past, um, back when you could easily get ephedrine – uh, I was a practitioner of what is commonly known as ephedrine stacks, which is a combination of a lot of ephedrine, caffeine, and aspirin, which did a great job of keeping my weight down and also made it practically impossible for me to sleep at night. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a long time ago, but I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I can say, yeah, I would take drugs to help me. Uh, stay at a lower weight because I have taken drugs to help me get to a lower weight. Um, It was never to win a race. It was just because I was super frustrated with where I was weight-wise and was looking for a shortcut. If there was a shortcut that I could take, heck yeah, I would take it, (laughs) especially if 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 it gave me the metabolism of, you know, someone who is, you know, 5%, uh, you know, 5% fat and doesn't have to work for it. Yeah. I would love to have that kind of advantage. Um, as far as your situation, I don't think a cortisone shot is giving you what you're getting. Um, I think that it's a component, in a, as, as you suspect, right, that it is a piece of a puzzle of a number of things that you are doing right, you know, between the antidepressants, between you doing some good things in your life, between the yoga and the massage and all of those things. You know, I think you've hit on a great combination and the cortisone, one of them, Um I hate to break it to you, but the cortisone is going to become decreasingly effective with yeah. each shot you get. So don't expect that to be a a long term solution. Um, that said, uh, things are good for you. Enjoy them. Um, and I- as far as the ethical implications, I don't know I- if there was if there was a drug I could take that would make me permanently happy as opposed to high. Heck yeah, I'd take it.
1: Yeah, I. Uh... Yeah. The, I mean, after the year that I've had where I am right now, um, I'm willing to do, I don't want to say whatever's necessary, but I'm willing to do a lot of hard work to stay here. Um, this is really working for me on a well, whole sure. lot of levels. Yeah. Um, well, Hadi... <laughs> What about you? I mean, I, I don't think there's a great sales pitch in your case. You're already yeah. lean. You're already really fast. You already, to my knowledge, are super mentally stable. Yeah. So I don't know what gains there are for a guy who's so fantastic like you. Um. um but if there was something you, you feel like you're lacking and there was a drug that could give it to you, would you want it?
0: No, I mean, like Fatty, I have admissions too. First of all, I took the ephedra ephedrine thing. I was over 200 pounds before I got into cycling. And uh, that's a lot for me. Um, I need photographic evidence. I can't even
1: imagine that.
0: And and to to cut pounds and cut them quickly and to get leaner. And now that stuff was not, it was sold legally. You didn't have to go down an alley to get it. You you could get it anywhere. You buy it at any nutrition store. Um, And it's only after people started realizing you couldn't sleep at night because you were taking it uh, that they thought maybe it was a bad. So I've taken that stuff too. Um, if I wasn't set to cheapskate, I'd probably get, a, get be getting a B12 shot, uh, once every two weeks. I love those things. Now that's not a drug or a performance enhancer per se. I mean, lots of people do B12, um, but they sure do make you feel good. They make me feel great. Um, but without sounding too pompous, um, I, I think one of the cool things about riding on j- just you, you know, is that you figure out how good you really are now. You have a unique situation, Patrick. You're in a lot of pain. And at some point, you got to deal with pain because you'll never know how good you are if you don't get rid of the pain, right? You just can't freaking ride. So I don't see the cortisone shot as the reason you got a PR. It just finally put you back to where you need to be, which is pain-free. Was there some boost in the end? Maybe, but the hope is you'll heal, and then you'll be able to keep progressing, right? and not mm-hmm. not need the cortisone. But you'll be able to use this as a launch pad to keep moving ahead physically, which is the hopes. Um, yeah. Funny thing, I had a cortisone shot too. I wish I had got everything you did out of it. I, I had one of my feet. I was having terrible problems with the balls of my feet, and I got a cortisone shot, and I don't remember getting a, a, that kind of boost. So I, again, I would think it's the totality of the things you've engaged in that are making you feel better. Yeah, um, And... I'm not immune to trying things. I've certainly tried. I've certainly tried creatine, you know, to try mm-hmm. and gain mass. Really doesn't do much. Uh, I drink a lot of branched chain amino acids, which is just a broken down protein. Uh, they help me recover. Is that doping? Not not under USADA's rules and laws. It's not. But you know, I'm taking things. I have a big vat of whey protein sitting right off to my left here, and I gulp that stuff down after lifting weights or after a hard workout. Um, so, you know, I, I try some things that, that just should help you. And I've, I've certainly tried um, some of the supplements out there that reportedly work. Usually what you find out is you just end up peeing them out. They really don't do much. So I'm <laughs> not immune to trying certain things. Um, but I think the three of us would uniformly say, if you could start going on a round of EPO, would you? No, no, it's not good for you. It's ultimately that's going to be bad for you, and that's not why we ride bikes. We ride bikes because that's the drug that that makes us feel feel good and and look better and and be stronger.
1: Yeah, true that. Um... Man, it's been an interesting experience. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll say that. I mean, so, Hadi, you know the descent of Willow Creek. I wanted to go set a PR on that descent. Mm-hmm. And those first couple of, couple of water bars, I just, I can't explain it. I felt great. I felt confident. And those first couple of water bars, I hit them with so much speed, I got launched. It's not like I decided, oh, I'm wow. going gonna, gonna to pop some air off of these. It was, I was going so fast, I couldn't help but get air. And then I turned around at the bottom and came back up and set a PR on the climb, set a PR uh, through the section of the two sisters. And then a little while later when I was uh, descending Coleman Valley and then also descending Grayton Road, points on descents where for five years now, almost four and a half years anyway, I, I get to these points in descents where there's a little extra measure of acceleration as the pitch gets steeper. And that's when my reptile brain goes, um, yeah, dude, uh, can can can, can we talk? Mm-hmm. Um, and I start slowing down. And that didn't happen that day. I rolled into turns like, yeah, I got this. Just like back in 2012, prior to the crash, I even as it was happening, I just about wanted to pitch myself because I couldn't believe it was happening. I felt so good. <laughs> um, so it's. Yeah, the last few days have been pretty stinking nice. I'm I'm having a lot of fun being me right now.
2: Well, good. Yeah. I, I, and I I don't think that there is a pill to be credited for that. You're having some fun that and you deserve it. And uh it sounds like maybe you're having some su- some success in hacking into your flow state like uh something that you've been talking about and working on. Yeah. Um I think what the cortisone is doing is helping with the pain, and that is allowing you to enjoy yourself again, right? But it is not the cause of the enjoyment. It is not making you high.
1: Yeah. Oh, think. yeah. Yeah. No, it's, mean, it's not like that, I, although. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I'm just – when – I mean, I think both Hadi and me, we've, uh, we've both used uh, cortisone before, and, I mean, it made my tennis elbow stop hurting – but I don't think it made me any faster. I don't think I don't think it's making you faster. I think it's making you feel better, yeah. and that allows you to go faster. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I'll take, take it, it, man. Take yeah. the win. Okay. Take the win. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I think it's time for us to move on to the paceline picks, yeah. and I'm going to take the first one. Uh, this The paceline picks are a the shorter pulls in the paceline where we plug or call out or highlight or just randomly try to turn something that isn't even really a real thing into a thing i'm gonna kick off with mine it is a great cause i've latched on to and have been spending a lot of my time on for the last uh, few weeks it's called the american fort canyon run against cancer it's got nothing to do with bikes as you would guess from its name it's a run but it's also this really great practical fundraiser. It helps people who can't afford cancer treatment. Anyone who's ever had cancer in their life knows that it's expensive. And then having that expense compounded uh, with the cancer itself, it's just too much uh, for a lot of people. And this uh, fundraiser helps practically people who need that. So I will be there for the run this June, but right now what I'm doing is a weekly podcast for the race, 13 interviews with 13 inspiring people for this 13-mile race, and each interview is about 13 minutes long. I've talked with a 65-year-old school teacher who just ran this race a couple of days after finishing chemo. I've talked with a breast cancer surgeon who runs because she's inspired by her patients, And I've talked with a woman who has just a few months left to live, but goes running with her three-year-old anyway every day. These are some amazing conversations with some really inspiring people. So if you are not local to Utah County, or if you are, (laughs) check out afcanyonrun.com. You'll find the podcast there, and even if running is 100% not your thing, Maybe click on the donate button and make a difference to a real person fighting cancer right now. That's my pick. Patrick, your turn.
1: Guys, last week, Ibis Cycles introduced a brand new bike, the Ripmo, which combines aspects of the Mojo as well as the Ripley. It comes on the heels of Marin's Wolfridge, Evil's The Reckoning, Transition's Sentinel, the Santa Cruz Hightower LT, the Trek Slash, the Yeti SB 5.5, and one of the originals in this now category, the Specialized Enduro 29. I'm talking about long travel 29ers. We're talking 150 to 160 millimeters of travel with 29-inch wheels. And I think it's truly fair to say at this point that this is an actual category. And from where I sit, it's the most interesting thing being done in mountain bikes right now. I'm of the opinion that 29-inch wheels are the way to go off-road. Whether it's a gravel bike or a mountain bike, 29-inch wheels. You've got lower rolling resistance, you've got a good footprint for traction, and you've got a decreased angle of attack when hitting rocks, making it much easier to roll over stuff the trick for the designers and engineers has been to figure out how to make a 160 millimeter travel bike pedal like one with hundred to 120 millimeters of travel. And the mic makers seem to be improving at that with each new product intro. Uh, certainly the Wolf Ridge pedals like heaven. Um, I haven't gotten a, ch- a chance to ride the Ripmo, but that's going to happen in the next week or two. Um, and, you know, I got to say, I've always loved how Ibises have handled. Scott Nickel really knows his way around a geo chart. So uh, I'm kind of dying to ride the Ripmo. But, you know, the thing for me is I don't care what people are interested in. If people are riding mountain bikes and, you know, they they want to have fun, they need to go out. I don't care which brand. I don't, I really don't care. I don't have any investment in that. But go demo a long-travel 29er. This is like a whole new sport. And I said that a few years ago, the first time I rode a 125-millimeter travel bike. Man, this stuff is crazy fun. And my next bike purchase, long-travel 29er.
2: Okay, fair enough. I have not ridden one, and now I want to. (laughs) All right, hottie. Bring us on home. You've got the final pick. Yep. My Pace Line pick was recorded
0: a couple days ago, guys. Hello, Pace Liners. Michael Hotton here. Hottie here. How are you doing? I'm going to say something you probably have never heard before. Wouldn't it be cool to get a flat? Wouldn't it be cool to get a flat tire? Of course, the answer would be no. Except or unless you have the coolest pump in the business, which I am now holding. It is the Silka Tactico, I hope I'm saying that right, Tactico hand pump with Bluetooth, which is very cool because as you pump, you launch the app on your phone, and the phone tells you how much pressure you have. Now, I wasn't cool enough to get a flat today, but Mrs. Hardy did, and she has blessed me with a little fix-it job here. Now, of course, I patched her tube because I'm cheap, you know? I patched a tube. No new tube. She's getting it. In fact, this this tube has three patches in it. We've completed that job, and now we're about to pump up this tire with the coolest pump in the business, at least as far as hand pumps go, the Silca Tactico pump with Bluetooth. I'm going to get to work pumping, and we'll join you in the back end and let you know how things go. Right now, I've got about 7 PSI, and here I go. Seven and a half. 8. we We're going to go to about, I you don't know, rear tire? 80 on this. She likes to run 30. So. This may take a while. We may have to rejoin. But I'm getting a pump-by-pump, stroke-by-stroke readout here of how I'm doing. All right, Pace Liners, to get her to a 60 psi, and this is a uh, 30, she rides the 30s. That probably took us uh, under five minutes. But the great thing is we got that immediate readout. We knew where we stood. It was starting to get difficult. Look, the Tachiko is in length. This guy is about seven inches, I would say. Uh, the hose stores inside the barrel. Uh, it takes Presta or Schrader. It's got a little flip lever on it to lock in that Presta valve, which can be a pain in the butt at times. But all in all, it's 120 bucks. I think that's not a bad deal considering what you get. Um, yeah, Silca stuff can run a little expensive, but you get a good hand pump with an accurate reading so you know just where you stand. Thanks to Bluetooth. And thanks to Mrs. Heidi, because this was my birthday present. And also my paceline pick the silka tactical pump with bluetooth gotta love the bluetooth i've gone all in guys with the with the silka i even got the aborsa wallet recently too i've got those <laughs> uh, after fatty talked up their co2 uh nozzles i bought a couple mm-hmm. of those so i'm going all in with this company <laughs> i'm loving their oh stuff. yeah and this pump is uh, it's one thing i didn't say about the pump too i mean patrick you've probably read up on this pump they oh, yeah, engineered it, it so it would not heat up in your hand as you pump like other pumps do. It's got grippers on, on each end of the barrel so you can you can hold it better. I mean, look, you still got to do the work. It's still work to pump with this thing. But they've tried to mitigate where they can the, the issues you run into. And one of the big issues is, where the hell am I? How much air do I have in this darn tire? And they've taken care of that with a little Bluetooth technology.
2: I like it. You know. I'll I'll be more impressed when you can say, "Hey Siri, inflate my tire." <laughs> hey Silka, get the pumping. <laughs> there you go. And of course, when I said that, uh, my phone beeped and said, "I'm sorry." <laughs> I don't do that. No, it, it, yeah, that's, that's, your phone Siri, said sorry. Such a prima donna. Okay, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Pace Line episode 110 can you believe it one last reminder find us on apple podcasts and take a moment to give us a nice big fat five-star rating and if you're feeling extra super duper generous write us a review more importantly tell your friends about us that's how people find us for Heidi and patrick i'm fatty thanks for listening to episode 110 of the pace line <coughs> oh. <laughs> how about i hope you got that
0: yeah you got that